This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack, I hope for that, yo, I tried to combine the, the you know, yo of, of what's going on in Major League Baseball right now, but also the excitement that we have Keith Law coming on. And the draft is this week, and I, I wanted to give a little excitement for you, but I didn't want to overdo it because, you know, baseball sucks right now. Well, you know, yo is me. And... Oh, 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 buddy. <laughs> it's gonna have to... oh, I hope you didn't take a lot of time to think about that one. I actually didn't. That one was right on the spot. So Good. Good. We're, at Good. A, we're at a yo is me point of the uh, MLB baseball discussion. It really is. It works. Yo yeah. is me, man. Yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, just, just figure it out. But, like. I don't know. I, I feel. I still. I feel like it's. I feel like it's gonna happen. I. I know that sounds like whatever and, you know, pie in the sky. But, like even even the thing today, it was like that kind of is closer. It's not. It's not definitely not close enough. Like at all. Even though the player said it's a step back. Right, but I don't. I don't know. The, the. I think the fact that the draft pick thing. I think that was a pretty big, um, thing. I agree. I, and I just. Session. I think it comes down to do they. Do they care about games or do they care about the prorated salary? And I almost feel like they'd rather just take the 50 games with the 100% prorated salary. Like, why would they pay? Why would they play more games for less money when they can pl- just play like 50 and get the full 100% prorated stuff? So I kind of feel like it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to what they want to do. I think they could concede at like 85% of the prorated salary. Um, you know, if they want to play 76 to, to 82 games. Um, but if they're, if they're not going to do that, then I think they're just going to play, play 50 games with a full hundred, you know, hundred percent prorated salary. So I still think something's going to happen, but I, like 50 games for as much as we'd be excited about a sprint and just having baseball, like 50 games is a sham. Like, it, it's, it's just, a total it, sham. it's just a total sham to what baseball Well, the, is. the best, the best, uh, most relevant right now nugget that I've seen since, uh, you know, the, the, how much of a sham the 50 game thing is is someone pointing out that the Washington Nationals, the World Series champion, were 19 and 31 through 50 games last year. So and the Philly, and the Phillies were in first place in the NL East. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such it's such a sham on baseball, but whatever. I mean, this season's gonna suck anyway. Like, I, I was actually, yeah, it, it's definitely a take what you can get type of spot. It feels like right now. Yeah, and the thing that I hate the most about it, it's just like the, there's gonna be no fans and. Like you're telling me the Phillies are gonna play, gonna be in a playoff series, and there's got not gonna be any fans in the stands. It's it's just, it's gonna be stupid. The whole thing is just gonna be stupid. But I I, I want it back. I need it back. And I don't know. I, I I think they'll just I think they'll just say, bleep it. We'll just play 50 games and just get it in. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't know if that's gonna happen till what like August when when they might start that up. So it's 50 games yeah. and whatever. And they've already wasted the opportunity to be the first sport back which is just so classic baseball but (laughs) it's so bad man yeah the whole the whole thing is so bad i mean we've talked about it a bunch but i mean you can't say it enough that millionaires and billionaires have spent the last two months arguing publicly while 42 million people are out of work and you know there's a virus that has killed over a hundred thousand people and now we have nationwide protests and worldwide protests and and baseball labor versus the you know the the owners and you could just guarantee it's like no matter what else is happening in the world it's gonna suck and they're gonna suck and they're gonna hate each other and there's gonna be animosity and acrimony and it's just uh, it's it's embarrassing and it's frustrating and it's like you said look they had the chance to come back and really be a a sign of a return to normalcy uh uh much needed distraction for so many people going through what we were just talking about. They had a chance to be that like beacon of, of hope and positivity in America. And instead they couldn't do it because of money, Jack, because of money. And it's so frustrating. And I'm with you. I think we're at the point where it's going to just be a, a forced 50 game season. Uh, I think I, I don't, I've not seen a single person, even the most ardent of, of, you know, baseball homers 
who has not said that it is a sham of a season for a 50-game season. And it could be fun because every game matters and there'll be a sprint to the finish and all that stuff. But it's definitely a sham of the season. It's an asterisk on the title. And it's just like... It, the, the shame is that it didn't have to be this way. The shame is that on su- Sunday I'm out and it's gorgeous out. And all I can think about is why is there not baseball on right now? And we're going to have an extra month without that and end up having just a sham of a season. It's really – they really bungled it, man. Like they blew this. From top to bottom they blew this. And and we've both been staunchly on the side of the players but and I still think the owners this this new offer today is just them repackaging the exact same offer, like you said, one major concession. But the owners are certainly not close to being, you know, the the negotiating, uh, you know, the giving in the negotiations the way they claim to. But regardless, I'm at the point where I I'm mad at everybody. Like I'm I'm just mad at everyone at this point. Like I just want this to be figured out because. My favorite sport looks like a bunch of assholes while these other sports, and I know it's an easier situation because they haven't started their season yet or they're, they're already deep into their season. They could just do playoffs and stuff. But these other sports just shut up, plan how they're going to play, figure out the health and safety, and they're all going to go play. And they're going to be – the NBA is going to be back before baseball at this point, Jack. Like that's a joke. A hundred percent a joke. And not a funny – it's not a, It's not even a funny joke. No, it's a horrendous, awful joke, but a joke. It's not even a funny. And I think the thing that now I'm starting to get the most mad about the 50-game season is, like, God forbid, what if Nola gets hurt and he needs Tommy John and then he's out for the – like, there's so like there's so much little injury stuff that can go wrong that and – like, and, like, the JT free agency thing, it's like, well, cool, we're going to get JT, what, four out of five games or, you know, something like that. Like, <sighs> It's just, it's just, it's not, it's not baseball, but you know, what can he do? I mean, John Middleton is not even sniffing Jack Middleton anytime soon. Like, oh my God. Well, I mean, that's the bigger thing too. And that's why I haven't been able to understand a little bit from the player side. Again, I understand arguing against, you know, what effectively amounted to a salary cap. And I understand holding your ground. And I personally think they've been far too worried about, you know, setting a precedent for the 2021 negotiations than they have been about focusing on the unique moment that them and we are all in and just focusing on on finding a deal that's acceptable for the moment. They're far too worried about setting precedents for the next negotiation, which I'm sure as we could tell is going to be a disaster as well. No, I'm feeling um, good about it. Yeah, it's, uh, why wouldn't you? I mean, all evidence says it's it's uh it's great. It seems I like a, it seems like a why... it seems like a bad time, you know. Given everything that's going on in the world, to, uh, to, to I, take a stand. I, I, yeah, if they can't figure it out now, I don't know why they would be able to figure it out in a much less high pressure, you know, figure deal type out situation. So, but I think that I, I I understand the players not wanting to set a precedent, but at the same time, I also think there are things like you just alluded to that they could be getting out of this that they're. It doesn't seem like they're as intent on as they should be, like a salary floor for next season or whatever. I mean, they're going to get killed in free agency. Mookie Betts, that record contract or whatever, he's not sniffing it. Like, Romuto, like, it's actually going to be a detriment to this guy that he's a free agent when he is, and it sucks for him, but no team is going to give him the money that he wants. Like, these teams are going to cry poor in free agency. This is going to be a longer-term problem for the players than just this moment. And I think that that's what they're missing. And I, I again, I'm on their side in this, but I think they're failing to recognize that they're going to be screwed in the future no matter what. Like, they need to do something to safeguard against that Like, and, and be willing to give a little bit in some way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I don't know if this has been discussed at all or if it's been brought up in the in the negotiation meetings, but are, are players allowed to get older in this in this time? Like, Aaron Nola just turned 27. That's not allowed, right? Like they're, he's going he's gonna to get his age 27 Dude, full season. We're ruining – but Bryce Harper 27 season was like half the reason I was excited to sign him. I mean, what? It's this is such a gigantic, massive – Yeah, and you know what's even – You know what's even better? Is that it's is they're 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 not going to be able to use this full age twenty seven season, and then when there's a work stoppage in two years, they're not going to be able to use this age twenty nine season. So two of Bryce Harper's peak <laughs> prime seasons are not going to be played. And I would just like Major League Baseball to factor that in when we're talking about these labor negotiations. 
like right. don't don't take away all these these prime Bryce seasons for me. All right, we have now ended this conversation. We this is I'm done. I can't do this. I'm so sad right now. Let's we'll be all right. uh we got Keith Law coming up. Why don't we talk about some more positive things? It's hard to other than the fact that it's only five rounds, which you know I'm sure we'll talk to Keith about and is a, a real problem. Um nothing wrong with the draft. And I know that it's Jack's this is this is Jack's pod. Yeah. This one's for Jack. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, let's talk a little draft. We got Keith Law coming up in a few minutes, one of the preeminent draft guys out there. Um, excited to talk to him. Uh, Jack and I, a little inside baseball, have a Google Doc with all our questions for Keith. And mine are like <laughs> some big picture stuff or whatever. Jack has like 30 questions about players in the draft. It was so you like you just nerding out in the Google Doc to yeah. ask Keith Law all these questions about the draft. Yeah, I got some major questions because, like, <laughs> I could tell because, like, here's the thing: is that I, like, I think I have a good eye for this, um, and I, I just, I, I'm very curious to see how guys who do this for a living, if my eye matches up with what they see. So, like, I take it personally when I like and break and and like watching these guys and. I just want to. I just want to see how how we match up. So um, I've spent like I've spent a lot of time on the MLB draft. I've watched two full high school. Amer- like I've probably done more high school American stuff just because like I don't know. I really like the prep talent in this draft. Um, but I just I can't wait. You know. I mean, everyone has the thing that they love. We know. I, I mean, like yeah, I'm baby. just I'm bursting at the seams. Now I will be honest. This is listen. We're never we never lie. To the highest people. That's one of the staples of this podcast. Thought the draft was on Friday. Turns out it's on Wednesday. I don't know why I thought it was on Friday. Maybe I was looking at July and July 10th falls on a Friday, but hand up, totally misplayed that. So I get a panic text from Jack on Saturday saying, dude, the draft's on Friday. Uh, the draft's on Wednesday. I thought it was Friday. We got to record earlier, and I'm like, it's all good, man. We'll just record on Monday, no problem. Oh yeah, there's nothing that this 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 podcast says like you being the calm one and me. <laughs> and, and it's me the being. only time, the only one. Um, all right, so, so go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I mean, we gotta, we gotta. Yeah, need- let's get into it. All right, so we have Keith coming up, um, and uh, we actually so. Uh, if you don't know, we don't talk about it enough. We need to start mentioning more, but if we're you not are not on this. social media or whatever, you know, it's not your thing. You can email us. It's the high hopes pod at gmail.com. The high hopes pod at gmail.com. And, uh, Jack, apparently we've gotten some emails asking for, for my guys as well. Like we're going to get your guys here. They want me to have some guys too. Is that true? Yeah. Listen, Nathan, Nathan Faust chimed in. And he said, yo, Nathan. yo, Nathan. it is an email it sent is. from my iPhone checking in to the absolute Good best. Work. Yeah, checking in uh, on the absolute best Phillies podcast in the nation. Absolutely true. Um, can we just get an hour-long pod dedicated to just the MLB draft? Well, Nathan, you're in luck. Cause, <laughs> yeah, this is your one, buddy. Work. Mine is just fast forward through the 10 minutes or so of MLB labor discussions at the beginning. And it's all for you, buddy. As good as Fritz is at talking everything MLB draft and baseball in general, because he's a he's a superstar, I'd love to sure. <laughs> I'd love to actually hear James do some serious draft homework and discuss well, slash okay. debate with Jackie Jaff class over all the top uh, prospects in this uh, draft and their potential. So James, you've been called out to maybe do some research for this podcast, and uh, the people want to know who are your guys in this draft. Okay, I've I responded. Uh, I did some research this weekend, Jack. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, I, it was all right. You know, I'm not gonna say I'm uh, you know Jackie big time or anything like that. But I looked into it. I looked into guy now here. I'm not gonna come on here and talk about Torkelson or any of those guys at the top that I know are not gonna be a Philly. I'm talking about guys that have a real chance of being there at the Phillies. I looked at mock drafts, Jack. Good. Good, but mock drafts yeah. can't tell the whole story, James. Sometimes they you got to use your eye. All right, so I have I have three guys, and I'll just say I'm going to give you a pitcher, a hitter, and then I'm just going to say that after research, the first one is I'm 100% co-signing the Nick Bitsko love. Like, I like this kid. I, I am a fan. Uh, obviously, the CVs thing 
does it for me as someone who came very close to going to Sea Beast and went to the school literally right next door. Uh, I'm excited about Bisco, and the way you've talked about him has has gotten you know me more excited about Bisco. The little bit I've seen, uh, I'm in. So I'm going to say I'm in on Bitsko, but I have two other guys. Um, I'll give you the uh, the bat and then the pitcher. And I apologize if you have mentioned these guys on the pod before. Hey, it's no problem. Because um, I generally, you know, I don't remember. You, you tune out when I start talking but, about the draft? Yeah. All right. I'll go with my bat first. <laughs> I like Ed Howard. Oh, first, yes. First of all, Ed Howard is just a baseball name. Like, doesn't it feel like it, it, you plop Ed Howard in the lineup is it, and he's in your lineup for the next decade? Um, I like the name Ed Howard. Uh, 18-year-old seems like a, a guy who can actually stick at shortstop, which is uh, exciting. I know they just drafted one last year. I'm a big believer, especially in baseball, in not in double negative here, not not drafting possessions just because you have some strength in them in your system, especially when it's shortstops. I don't think you can ever have enough high-end shortstops. Um, and he seems to project really well. So I'm in on Ed Howard, Jack. And uh, then my, Makes me so happy. I'm, I'm excited too. And then my pitcher, um, I'm going with a lefty here. And I was actually surprised. I didn't realize how low. I looked at a bunch of stuff, and then I finally looked at Keith's uh, stuff, who we'll talk to in just a second here. Um, Keith Law stuff, and he has him way lower on the list than I would have thought. Like I, everything I read about this guy, I'm hearing Josh Hader. Josh Hader is the name I keep hearing with this guy. High 90s fastball, got a big arm. I'm in on Garrett Crochet. Love the name, love the guy, love that he's a lefty. Let's go, Jack. Garrett Crochet, my guy. Nice, nice. You know what I can't like wait that? for? Are you in on Garrett Crochet? Um, I like him. I just, when I watch him, I don't like the mechanics, and I think it's going to lead to injuries. And the fastball is 99 to 100, which is obviously nasty, but there's just something about it that looks hittable. Like it looks like it looks like hitters can see it for a long time. And the longer major league hitters are able to see it, um, then obviously they'll 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 catch up to any speed. So I like Garrett Crochet. Um, and if the Phillies are serious about competing this year, he could realistically be drafted and be put in the bullpen almost, you know, almost pretty fast. Like he should be a fast riser. I mean, 99 to 100 with that wipeout slider and a pretty good feel for a changeup. Like that, that plays. So I, I, he reminds me of a harder throwing J hat. Um, but I like him, don't love him, would not be furious at him at 15, but I like the other guys you mentioned more. And let me just say this. I like that he did your research. And I like that, like, if they draft Nick Bisco, I can just tell that you're one of these baseball fans that's like, oh, don't take a high school arm because of injury stuff. And, you know, I just, I just am excited that you're in on a draft prospect. Because I feel like you don't oh, usually man. get, your, you usually don't get your, your, your hopes up around draft prospects. I like that your hopes are up. And I like that maybe you'll experience some heartbreak on Wednesday because it happens to me every year. Um, now, I do love that we are on such good synergy levels that, like, my one-two are also your one-two. Oh, buddy. Dude, I like, – Ed like, Howard. Doesn't Ed Howard – like, doesn't he just look like a guy – like, he just looks like a franchise shortstop. Looks like, like a baseball player. Yeah, just – he looks like the face of a franchise. He really does. And he was on that Chicago team in 2014 um, that kind of captured the heart of the nation for a little bit there in that Little League World Series team. He can definitely stick at shortstop. And you can just kind of tell when he adds some muscle that you could legitimately have an impact bat there, um, you know, batting in the two-hole or something like that. Like, he reminds me a lot of Xander Bogarts. So. I uh, I'm definitely I'll take all Xander Bogarts. I'm all I'll in on I'm I'm in on Ed Howard, but I am more more in on Nick Bitsko. So we will get I guess more into that after after Keith Law. It's go time. Let's bring in Keith. And joining us now, it is our pleasure to welcome to the IOPS podcast senior baseball writer for the Athletic. Uh, one of the preeminent voices in MLB draft and in minor leagues and all the development type of stuff in baseball. Uh, and you can get his book right now, The Inside Game, Bag Calls, Strange Moves, and What a Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, available wherever books are sold. The one, the only, Mr. Keith Law. Keith, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. And uh, we obviously wanted to have you with the, the draft coming up 
on Wednesday and uh, kind of get what you're feeling about certain prospects, obviously, and and what you're hearing. And now we might as well just just start there. Um, what are you hearing right now? Uh, what's the latest? Honestly, I don't have that much that's vastly different from the mock draft I posted last Wednesday. I will post another one this Wednesday. But so far, it's pretty much small changes. Everyone expects the top three picks to be Torkelson, Spencer Torkelson, Austin Martin, Asa Lacey in some order. Uh, and that if, there, if anybody decides to go for some kind of, you know, to cut some sort of deal with another player that could start maybe around pick four, it's going to be a very college-heavy first round. Probably won't see very many high school pitchers at all selected. Um, personally, I think there's a lot of talk of teams cutting severe deals or even trying to sort of punt picks entirely. I think that's all talk. I think at the end of the day, teams are going to play it pretty safe, take college players, get them signed, and if they want to do something a little more daring, they'll start doing it in the comp round or the second round instead. Uh, Keith, before we dive in, I want to get into some specific players and, and what you're hearing on the Phillies as well. Quickly, just a, a macro question about the draft. Obviously, only five rounds this year, and um, uh, you know, a tougher situation for teams scouting guys. You know, with with lack of seasons and all that type of stuff. What other challenges have you seen um, for teams this draft process? Well, there's a lot of pretty significant challenges. You didn't see players. Some players didn't play at all. Most players who did play had a very abbreviated season. Uh, you have you know players who didn't play over the summer last year for whatever reason ended up you know they end up really kind of they've been seen less. It doesn't make them worse players, but your level of confidence in your evaluations and your valuations of those players is much lower. You just have less data. And when I say less data, I'm referring to both the scouting data and now the more advanced data that we see from systems like TrackMan or from machines like the Rapsodo machines uh, that we, we read so much about, how all teams love to use them. Colleges have even paid to install some of these systems. We just don't have it. You don't have that data at all. Or, or very, very little for the 2020 season. And so teams are really operating in a bit of an informational vacuum. And on top of that, they've lost a lot of their flexibility in the draft. They're, we don't have round six through 10 to maybe you know, extend your bonus pool. You take college seniors in those rounds, you can overpay your third or your fourth rounder instead. You can't wait till the 11th round, see which high upside high school guys still on the board, take them there and say, we'll give you whatever's left in our draft pool to sign at that pick. All of that is gone, which is part of why I think teams will, they're going to talk a good game and then eventually kind of play it straight because I just think the five round draft really does not allow for a lot of creativity. Keith, obviously we are a, uh, a Phillies podcast here and I know you had them taking uh, Cade Cavalli in your last, in your last mock draft. Kind of what's the latest you're hearing on the Phillies? I saw you also mentioned that they haven't really been interested in, in high school arms. Uh, what's the kind of latest you're hearing on the Phils? Uh, still the same. They're not taking a high school pitcher with that pick, uh, nor should they, frankly. I have seen people trying to link them to the local kid, Nick Bitsko. That's just not accurate. It's a little bit lazy. I mean, teams don't take local players just to take them, right? You don't get bonus points for winning with players who are from your home state. You take the best player. And I think the Phillies very much, that's been their philosophy. You know, it's a new scouting director this year. It's not going to change. They're still going to try to take the person they believe is the best player. But that could be anything. It could be a, a college hitter. I think it probably won't be just the way the board is shaking out. I think they're going to end up choosing between one or two high school hitters. Maybe Ed Howard, the very talented a high school shortstop from outside of Chicago, whose bat is a little bit of a question, but he's a definite shortstop. And whatever the best college pitchers are to get there. You know, could be Cade Cavalli, although, frankly, if I redid the mock right now, I would have Cavalli going before their pick. Um, and that could put them in a bit of a different spot if they believe that the next best pitching option after Cavalli maybe is substantially worse. Not bad, but at the 16th pick, you don't want to take somebody who's maybe you know, 25th on your own board. There's also a, a bit of a wild card, just the way that things are shaking out, especially if Cavalli ends up jumping maybe as high as the ninth overall pick. Maybe that pushes the college bat down. Maybe someone like Heston Kierstad, or, uh, who's now a fielder from University of Arkansas, or catcher Patrick Bailey of North Carolina State. Maybe one of those guys ends up at pick 16, even though they probably shouldn't. They're probably better than that. But it only takes one or two teams to reach a little bit for a player they particularly value to push somebody else down. So, when I say the Phillies, I feel like they're wide open. I do. Other than high school arms, I think they could take any kind of player, and I feel like their mix is still pretty broad, in large part because 
we don't really know exactly who's going to get to them. Well, Keith, you, you burst my bubble a little bit. I'm a big Nick Bitsko guy. I love Nick Bitsko, and I, I've been campaigning for them to uh, to draft him. I understand the local thing, but I would be ecstatic if they drafted him. But you know, unfortunately, well, let me ask you. Yeah. So let me ask you why. Because I, I just think the fastball. I think the fastball is elite. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that thing jumps, and that's going to be hard to, to square up." And then you see the rap soto stuff the other day, where it's like what ninety nine spin efficiency. Like I just I love the fastball. I love the mechanics. I love the like six four two twenty, and he's not. He's like pretty shredded for that. So um, you know, I when I saw him, I thought he had a pretty good feel for the off speed. I thought he could spin it. Um, and then once he kind of you know gets more involved with the technology, I thought he could kind of develop more spin on the slider or curveball. So. I was, I'm just big on that stuff um, when you're looking at a 17-year-old. I mean, in 2021, I kind of thought he was going to go top five-ish, so I think getting him a year early and, uh, and that, like, I was just, just kind of in on that thought process. Uh, that's just my unexperienced eye. Well, so there's two, two sort of counter-arguments there. One is nobody's really seen him, right? I know he's posted some videos. I mean, it's like the kid in Texas who posted a video of himself throwing 105. It's right. not real, right? Do it on a, do it on a mound in a game and I'll take it much more seriously um, and do it and show me that you can do that over the course of like throwing it 80 pitches, which is even a short outing, but still a real outing as opposed to sort of these highly optimized conditions indoors, no batter. We don't know how high the mound is. Um, you know, you don't have to do that 50 times. You can do it twice. You do it once and post that video, but also just, um, High school pitchers in the first round are a terrible bet. It's the, absolutely the worst of the four sort of major buckets of players, college hitters, college pitchers, high school hitters, high school pitchers. High school pitchers are the worst bet of all. They, they fail to reach the majors. They fail to, to post significant values in the majors at a much higher rate than any of the other three categories. Now, if we got to the point in this draft where it was pretty clear that the best player available was going to be a high school pitcher, I actually have, Nick Abel from Oregon ranked higher than any other high school pitcher in the draft. I, I'd say, okay, you might open it up, but at pick 16 in this draft, in what is a particularly strong college draft, I really think you can do better. I think the Phillies specifically can do better. I don't know who it'll be exactly, but somebody who's better than any of the high school pitchers is going to be available at their pick. Got it. So one of the guys that has been linked to the Phillies a lot um, and I was a little surprised uh, at where you had him in, in your top, in your big board the other day. You had him at 39 was Garrett Crochet. Why, why were you, uh, why are you pretty low on Garrett? Well, I'll be honest. I think I got it right. Garrett Crochet threw three innings this year. He, he seems was, like a problem. Yeah, he is. And there are differing reasons on why he only threw three innings this year. He did not pitch the first three weekends. He made a single unannounced relief appearance he threw 3.2 innings. Only six scouts were there. No cross-checkers, no national guys, because nobody knew he was supposed to pitch. He throws very hard. It's a 70 fastball, and it is a 70 slider. He doesn't have a third pitch. He has he got obliterated by right-handed pitching last year. Sorry, by right-handed hitting last year. Uh, he does not have a great history of command. And there's some question over. I don't know if it was health or what it was, but he didn't pitch the first three weekends this year. So he, barely been scouted and he's probably a reliever and if you're probably a reliever you're kind of not a first rounder you shouldn't be taking a guy who if you think there's a better than certainly better than 50 percent chance even if you think i would say there's a 40 percent chance a guy's a reliever probably not taking him in the first round he's just not going to provide enough value to justify the pick especially not in the year where again there's a lot of college pitching you make you sort of pick your poison you want a command guy you want a power guy there's a lot of college starting pitching here but to take a guy like that who didn't make a start this spring and has lots of question marks from the arsenal to why didn't he pitch the first three weekends to me way too much risk to consider at the 16th pick. He may still go in the first round. I personally wouldn't do it. Are you, uh, obviously you, you mocked Cade Cavalli to the, to the, to the Phillies. Now, when you look at them, you see the stuff, right? I mean, it's power stuff, mm-hmm. power, everything. Are, are you worried at all about him getting hit around? I mean, his ERA was in the four fours. I know it was obviously a, a shortened season, but is there concern mm-hmm. about guys being able to square him up? Uh, a little bit. It's um, there's concern that he didn't necessarily miss bats at the at the rate you would expect given the quality of the stuff. However, he spent his freshman year. He was also trying to be a pretty close to full-time position player. His sophomore year, he was still hitting pretty frequently, not really playing a position. So there's a 
pretty strong thought across the industry that just getting him into pro ball and having him focus exclusively on pitching will lead to more development because the pure stuff is very, very good. And he's a really good athlete that you'll see more development from him in pro ball than you would typically see from a 21 year old college product. It's rare to get a guy like that where it's kind of raw material is a little too extreme, but he's along those lines. He's physically developed like a 21 year old. He's had some success in college, but he's also got upside that you don't often see in college pitching a little bit more akin to, maybe a junior college pitcher where you're just counting on age. His, in his case, it's not so much youth as it is inexperience and, and uh, the lack of time focusing exclusively on the craft of pitching. Okay. I guess this is a bit of a two-part question, I guess. Is, do, you believe mm-hmm. that the, do you believe that the health stuff is getting a little bit overblown with Garrett Mitchell? And just kind of a player comp-wise, to me, kind of looks a little bit Jacoby Ellsbury-ish. And now you obviously scouted mm-hmm. Jacoby Ellsbury. Did you think that Garrett was a better uh, overall draft prospect than, than, than Ellsbury when he was coming out? Um, I think Ellsbury was the last draft before I went to ESPN. Uh, or maybe he was in the draft before that. So I don't, I don't have a public ranking I can point back to. Whatever it was, I was at with the Blue Jays that spring, and he was not in our mix either, whatever year it was. Um, so I saw him, and I thought he was a good player, but I couldn't tell you exactly how I had rated him. I can tell you in Mitchell's case, despite the fact that he has a type 1 diabetic, and I've mentioned that because every single team brings that up when I talk about Garrett Mitchell. What do you got on Garrett Mitchell? Well, he's diabetic. We don't know what to do with that. I don't know that there's a current major league position player who has type 1 diabetes. We've had pitchers who have, but of course they have time off to deal with if there are any complications. Flip side is maybe we're all overreacting to this and there's no issue at all. Um, I've ranked Mitchell 12th, I think, in this draft. I think I ranked him pretty high because I see an 80 runner who could probably be a 70 defender in center, and he's got a pretty good track record of hitting. If I have a big question about Mitchell, it's actually not at all about the diabetes, which I just sort of say, here it is. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not going to give him extra points. I'm not going to deduct points for something that I just don't know how to evaluate. I can tell you I don't really love the way his hands work at the plate. I do think someone's going to have to do a little bit of work on his swing, not to try to get him to be a power hitter because that's not what he's going to be. And if when you talk about Jacob, Jacoby Ellsbury, if you're talking about young Jacoby Ellsbury before he had that weird power surge, yeah, I could buy that a lot more. I think Mitchell could absolutely be that kind of hitter with a little swing help. That's the one thing. If, if I felt better about how his hands worked at the plate, I'd probably have just put him in the top ten, even understanding – the teams have this real trepidation about taking a type one diabetic with a first round pick. Do you think that Tyler uh, Soderstrom's bat is good enough to make up for him not really having a position? Uh, depends on where you're picking him, right? I have had him going 13th to the Giants, I think, in every mock draft I've had so far, and I would still have him there if I wrote one tonight. Seems consistent. Uh, yes. I keep hearing it again and again. Sometimes that's not true, but when I just hear the same thing repeatedly for weeks, I feel like I'd be a fool to just change it. Exactly. Uh, I heard it again today. Um, I think he's probably not worth the 13th pick in the draft if you believe he has no current position. He's played some third base. He's worked on his defense at third base because I think there's an understanding. He and his family, they, they get it. He's probably not going out as a catcher. I know plenty of people who say this kid's going to hit. It's absolutely worth it. Just take the bat. You'll figure out the position later. I'm okay with that if you're picking maybe 25th. I feel like at 13, there's going to be something better available. The Giants do seem to have spent a lot of time on him. They've spent, they have been fairly focused on two or three kids the whole spring. And I don't know that that absolutely means they're taking Soderstrom, but I will at least give them credit for saying they've spent enough time on him that if he's their pick, they must believe they see something that maybe I don't. They think he's a better hitter than I think. They think he's going to have more power than I think. They think the swing's a little flat right now. Or maybe they just believe he can go to third base and be fine. And I am just not willing to do that because I, I keep saying we don't know. We never got to see it this spring. Another guy you've been, you've been big on, I would say, a little bit more than the, the rest of the industry is Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you've mentioned a lot about uh, what he was doing before the high school season was cut short. Can you kind of share with our listeners what you were hearing from scouts about him before the high school season was cut short? Yeah, it's funny because I didn't see him good last summer, actually, so I'm kind of bad. But then their season, so he played for Harvard-Westlake, which produced 
Lucas Giolito, Max Fried, and Jack Flaherty. So pretty good track record out of that school. I'd say so. Uh, yeah, Cole Armstrong apparently got a lot stronger this winter and started and was playing really well. Was hitting, was hitting the ball harder, continued to run well. He may be the best defensive player in the draft class in terms of skills right now. He's certainly in the uppermost echelon of such players. Uh, you you brought up Jacoby, Jacoby Ellsbury. I have heard Ellsbury as a comp for Crow Armstrong. Wow. I love player comps because I think they can be a little bit misleading. And these two don't look very similar. But if you're just talking about maybe shape of production, could absolutely believe that. Potential 70 defender, can really run. Not going to hit for huge power, but strong enough to hit to have some extra base power and make plenty of hard contact in the big leagues. I've had a couple of scouts say Crow Armstrong is a bit like the fabled you know, high school guy who's like a college player because he's pretty advanced. He's got a high floor because of the defensive ability, and there's enough confidence in his ability to hit because he plays in Southern California, faces really good competition in high school, and did enough stuff at showcases, particularly when he was with Team USA at the end of last summer, to give Scott's com- scouts confidence in his hit tool. Interesting. So uh, this one, this one's going to be interesting, but I, I, I'm really curious to get your answer on it. Who would you rather have, like, long-term? Would you rather have had Ed Howard or Bryson Stott? I think Ed Howard. Um, they're both short shortstops. Like, I, I had never had an issue with Stott's defense at all. I think Stott's going to have some trouble hitting. Then again, Ed Howard might have some trouble hitting. I think you're betting a little bit long-term. You know, Stott was a college product. Uh, you, with college products, it's a little bit more what you see is what you get. Some, plenty of these guys do get better, but you've got less room and less time for improvement. With Howard, it's not a really advanced hit tool right now at all. Uh, he's an extremely good athlete. He's going to be at least as good of a defender as Sot is, and I think you have time and athleticism on your side in terms of developing Howard. There's also a chance that someone takes Howard and he goes out and whatever rookie ball looks like last year, that he's terrible uh, next year, that he's terrible. He really could. He plays played his high school baseball in suburban Chicago. That's not a lot of good competition. The few times we saw him against better competition uh, over the summers, he wasn't great. So I fully acknowledge that there's more risk there. But I would probably roll the dice on the upside there, where Stott, I thought, was a safer pick. We know what he is. We know he can play defense. We know he's got some pop. But you're definitely hoping that the bat plays. So you wouldn't have any reservations about like the Phillies taking him at taking Ed Howard at fifteen, even though they took Stott the year before. No, because they're three years apart. Actually, I guess they're four years apart, right? Because Stott would be twenty-two at this point, and Howard is eighteen. So they're really not going to interfere with each other. In general, I would even say take the best player available, unless you actually thought you were really going to have an immediate conflict. You know, would I take two college catchers back to back years in the first round? I might have some pause because you're just not going to have the playing time available for those right. guys. Unfortunately, you know, you can't trade picks. If you could trade picks, that'd be, that'd be easy. Um, and if you told me that they were looking at a college shortstop who was probably going to need to go to whatever level Stott plays that next year, I might think twice about it. would hate to walk away from the best player available just for that reason. Uh, but in this case, I don't think these two would ever really be playing at the same level. Stott's going to be in the big leagues before Howard is a double A. Interesting. Um, hey Keith, what do you what do you know about Brian Barber? Obviously, he's new here, uh, our new scouting director. Kind of, what have you heard about him in in the circles that you work with? I have known Brian just from the just from being out on the road for a very long time. I, yet, I would not say I know anything about his individual scouting philosophy. I know the Phillies were absolutely thrilled when they hired him. Uh, he comes from. Yankees, who have a have long had one, they've had I think good success in the draft, particularly after the first round, and they have they were one of the first teams to pretty fully integrate what was coming out of the R and D department with their amateur scouting process. And so they would still go for tools, they still swung the fences a bit on some high ceiling athletes, but would also mix in some guys where you could see the fingerprints of R&D. Scouts liked guys, but that R&D had also kind of given their seal of approval or maybe pushed and said, let's give this guy a second look because maybe he's got an exceptional spin rate on his fastball. Or there's, all, there's a lot of speculation, too. The Yankees favor guys not just with high spin fastballs, but with certain types of fastballs. 
that other teams weren't really zeroing in on. And I think the Phillies were also thinking, look, the Yankees are doing stuff in the draft that we're not. Let's try to get some of that and get a guy who we also believe in his ability to run a scouting staff. Stepping back from the draft and draft related stuff for a quick uh, question, um, Keith, uh, I'd be remiss uh, having you on to not get your thoughts. I know uh, you can follow Keith on Twitter at Keith. All you've talked about a bit on Twitter here and there, but um, thoughts about what's going on right now with, with the sport we love and the dispute between the players and the owners going on, obviously at the uh, worst possible time. Um, what are your general thoughts on where that is at right now? Obviously, the the new proposal today, the, the step back, according to the players and all that. Where are you at right now with the whole labor dispute going on right now? Well, it is a step back. I don't think the owners are really being serious enough with their proposals. I side almost entirely with the players in this. They're the ones who assume all the risk. The owners can sit at home. The owners can put on a Major League Baseball season and never leave the house. The players are the ones who have to actually have to go out and be exposed to other people. And you know, I look at the COVID-19 data pretty frequently. The, the R0, the infection rate in Arizona is 1.15. Their cases are going to keep growing out there. If Major League Baseball thinks they're going to send a few hundred players and associated staff out to Arizona for some kind of abbreviated spring training and no one's going to get sick, they're kind of delusional. And so players are absolutely right to say, we're not going out to play games and then take a lot less money than you originally told us you'd pay us, agreed to pay us back in March. If Major League Baseball wants to just push through a 50-game season where they're paying players the prorated salaries, that's a better option for the players than anything else Major League Baseball has proposed since then. They think MLB is hoping that public pressure will push the players to cave, and I personally hope the players don't cave. I don't think that's good for the sport for them to do so, and I do think most of what the owners are proposing really puts an unfair burden on the players who, who, as I said, really bear all of the physical risk in the scenario. Hey, Keith, a quick question for you. Who, uh, between rounds three through five, I would say, are some of kind of your favorite guys, like your guys in, in rounds three through five that could be there for the Phils? Uh, um, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you which guys are still going to be available at that point because I don't really focus much on signability. So I've put up a top 100 for, any, for anyone who subscribes to The Athletic. You can go there and take a look at the list. But I don't know which guys are going to go where so you know there may be a guy who i've ranked 40th or 45th who's still there in the third round that would make him a great pick might also make him unsignable because he may think he's getting first or second round money so it's really going to come down to what do teams do in terms of especially in the second round do they continue to go for guys at slot or do they try to maybe cut deals maybe some better players start to slip into the third round and benefit any teams that still have some money left I'm on Twitter at uh, at Keith Law on Twitter, his book, The Inside Game, and, of course, uh, theathletic.com for his work. Uh, Keith, thank you so much, man. You, you Seriously, we, we really appreciate the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks again to Keith Law coming on. Jack, I enjoyed you and Keith getting into it a little bit there, a little back and forth over Bitsco. Yeah, it hurt my feelings. I mean, I, I liked it. I, uh, and then he's like, well, what do you think, man? And you're like, here's what I think, bro. It was good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I didn't want to come across as as rude. I just uh, I have my thoughts no, on the Nick. man. The man was kind enough to give us twenty whatever minutes of his time. We appreciate it. Yeah. I just I just uh, I just had some thoughts. I I just I love Nick Bitsko. Like I I always have my guy that I'm all in on, and this year it happens to be him. Um, like I just I don't buy the notion. Like I understand he was very. Very confident that they weren't going to take him. And uh, yeah. listen, I, I get that. Uh, I hope he's wrong. I'm not saying he is wrong. I'm not saying that I think he's wrong. I just hope that he's wrong. Because um, I just I think it's a slam dunk pick. And I know betting on high school players is is never great, um, or especially high school pitchers. But like, dude, not every high school pitcher is bad. I mean, <laughs> like it happens all the time where they're, they're you get legitimately legitimate talents uh, out of the high school ranks. So. I wouldn't be afraid of him because he's a high school pitcher or because he's from here. Like, that doesn't. I don't think that matters that much. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I guess maybe in, in scouting circles it it matters. It just doesn't. That's not something that I factor in. Like, he could be from freaking Arkansas, but if he has that fastball, like, I don't care. Like, I, that that's a fastball that plays. He's a six four. Well, yeah. For what it's worth, I thought you made a good argument. Like, as someone who has seen so little. Of Nick Bitsko, well, comparatively, you and you and did, everyone else, pal. Did I mean. some did some did some polite research over the weekend. Uh, you sold me. I believed your argument over his. I thought you did a good job. 
Well, thanks. Like, um, yeah, I just, I just love him. I, did, I, I think he's, I think he's gonna. I said it last podcast. I think he's been a Hall of Famer, but he just reminds me. <laughs> should, should I, should I drop that on Keith? You think he would have liked Dude, the? Uh, I think he, he's a Hall of Famer. He would have been like, "Am I being punked? Is this a real podcast? What's happening?" Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fine. I, I, I personally think it'd be a mistake to pass on him. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think that like, the first time. I was just reading the 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 Roy Halladay book by by uh, Todd Zalecki, and it's phenomenal. By the way, I don't ever read, but uh, I'm halfway through it, and I just I I can't really put it down. It's an awesome read. Um, but Pat Gillick said in that that the first time you see a guy, you generally know if you like him or not. And I'm not comparing myself to Pat Gillick, but I remember oh, one of the great general managers <laughs> in the history of baseball. Yeah, yeah. might be Why in the Hall of Fame. That, right? Might be in the Hall of Fame. Might not be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, he said that. The first time you see a guy, like that's really what you believe. And the first time I saw Nick Bitsko, I was like, that's a Max Scherzer fastball. That's a fastball that, like, you know the difference between Max Scherzer's fastball and a lot of guys' fastball. Like, it has that extra little giddy up at the end. And for him to do that at 17, I think is ridiculous. And, you know, the fact that if he goes in next year's draft, he's probably a top five pick, and you're getting him a year earlier at, at 15 because no one saw him. Like, I legitimately think that if, if, if he was actually able to be scouted this summer he's a top 10 lock pick and he'd be talking about him like Mackenzie Gore was talked about a couple of years ago but we have not taken Mackenzie Gore if he's from here like I think that's ridiculous so I I, I think I would be all in on Nick Bitsko James I can't freaking wait for Wednesday I had a dr- I had I know I know this is gonna sound weird but I had a dream about the Philly oh, shot when whenever you say I feel like whenever you say on the high ups podcast I had a dream it's always weird it always goes in a weird direction. All I'm saying is that I had a dream that the Phillies drafted Nick Bitsko, and for some reason I was at a bar, even though I know he can't be at bars. Angelo Cataldi was there. I don't know why. <laughs> yep, that's a weird one already. I don't know why he was there, but I was doing fist pumps around the bar, all fired up about getting Nick Bitsko. Like, the Phillies drafting Nick Bitsko, of the th- ranked in importance in the last year and a half, We'll go one Harper. We'll go two JT. We'll go three O chart. Four Nick Fitzko. <laughs> four, four drafting Nick Fitzko. Five hiring Joe Girardi. How's that? Where's Brian Barber in there? Uh, Barber six. Actually, I okay. would say Barber's five, Girardi's six. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Joe. I'm very sorry. But anytime you can draft an absolute horse ace at the 15th overall pick, I think you got to do it. Yeah, you know, that was fun too. It's rare that I could just sit back and just say like, "All right, Jack, you and Keith talk." I wish I had something I could have done for that like twenty minutes. It was good. I thought it was your best performance on a podcast yet. <laughs> All right, so what else you got? Do you have any other draft guys we haven't hit on yet? Um, yeah. So uh, today on the website, I wrote my my five favorite. Uh, guys for 15 um like the guys that who i'd be all in on would be would be happy with with the phillies taking um so my five guys were bits go one and the one thing that we didn't really get into uh last podcast i guess because since then he's put out these rap soda videos with the data after them and dude (laughs) fastball is up to 98 and a half miles an hour with a spin efficiency of 99 percent kylie mcdaniel wrote that that that's directly comparable to Justin Verlander. Like the freaking kid is 17 years old and he's got a fastball. that's already comparable to, to Justin Verlander. Like get out of here. And you know, the other thing that's really starting to bother me is the freaking like, well, we drafted Jesse Biddle, so we can't draft Nick Bitsko. Like, okay, sure. Let's pass on the next Max Scherzer because eight years ago we took Jesse Biddle in the first freaking round. You know who else was in the first round, James, that's from here? Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Okay, well, we passed on freaking Mike Trout because he's from here. Get like get the f- out of here. Like, seriously. Look at you. Get out of here. Can't draft <laughs> local kids because, you know, God forbid they turn out to be the best center fielder of all time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Well, not the best center fielder of all time, but but a very good one. Whatever, whatever. Like the whole whatever. Willie Mays was not from uh, Millville, New Jersey. Hey, do you think the Willie Mays over the shoulder catch is overrated? Oh, that's a great take. Um, mm, uh, probably not, just because of the dimensions of the Polo Ground. I don't think people realize how vast it was there and 
how much ground he had to cover while also tracking the ball like that. So I would say probably not, but it's in the situation. But I like the take. Do you think it was? Oh, yeah. I can't tell which is more overrated, that or the Jeter flip. Or just about every Jeter moment in his career. A little slap single to right field to walk off Yankee Stadium. Get out of here. It's a joke. I love how you took a Willie Mays comment as a way to throw some jabs at Jeter. It's classic Jack Fritz right there. Oh, well, sorry. I was uh, subjected to 64 straight hours of Derek Jeter programming on MLB Network. (laughs) All right. Bits go one. Bits goes one. So Bits goes one. You keep getting distracted. Bits goes one. Bits goes the guy that we're going streaking. You get so fired up about the draft. You can't even think coherently. I love it. Yeah. Bits goes one. Bits goes the guy that we are uh, doing fist pumps about, and we're just getting fired up for it. I'm gonna. I already. I'm already planning on doing a little Periscope stream. So like, I'll be on. Bits goes the one that's gonna send me into uh, an absolute frenzy. Now, my number two is Garrett Mitchell. Garrett Mitchell should not be there for the Phillies at 15, but it seems like he might be there given the concerns about his health. And you kind of heard Keith. Like, we we're both on the same page. Like, listen, I don't, like. Sure, he has type one diabetes, but the guy's a stud. Like Garrett Mitchell, when the season shut down, was projected to be a top six pick, and nothing's changed. I mean, besides the, like the, the diabetes stuff came out, but so what? Like I, I watch him, I watch him when I see Jacoby Ellsbury, not the thirty-two year old, 30, 32 home run year that he had, but the Jacoby Ellsbury, those ten to fifteen home or uh, ten to fifteen home runs and like thirty stolen bases, like reminds me of that. Ellsbury was like sixty or whatever. Right, right, yeah. right, right. But baseball's changed since then, so we'll we'll put it in this in the thirty category or like a Brett Gardner type like it reminds me a little bit of of, of Gardner but can play center field so if he's there at fifteen I think the Phillies will take him um, and I think they should be happy with that I think there's a there's a legitimate legitimate player in there that I think is the top six pick in the draft if like I just think teams are a little bit too concerned about the health stuff um, number three for me is Ed Howard I freaking love Ed Howard like and I like Stott too but I, I you said it earlier when we were talking about it and like. I just I will always take a, sh- a shortstop whenever I can get him, especially because Howard's 18, Stott's 22, going to be 23. When he reaches the big leagues, probably 24, 25. Um, and I like Bryson Stott. I- I'm not sure what the offensive upside is, but I think as Ed Howard fills out, I think there's a chance for a plus defender and a plus bat. So to, to-, to pass on that I think would be a mistake. And I just, you know, I think Ed Howard can play major league shortstop almost immediately, um, and then hopefully the bat comes along with it. But I just – I love everything about it, Howard. I think he's going to be a superstar. Uh, four for me is Garrett Crochet. Uh, you, oh, you talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, we are like mind melded. I know it's it's probably bad, but you know, I just think that he he obviously only threw three and a half innings this year, and the injury stuff's there. I mean, his he throws a hundred from the left side with kind of funky mechanics that usually doesn't end up well. Um, but I just think that if you're at 15, he might be a reliever, which is fine because, like, given how important relievers are now, it's like that's not really a disaster. He could easily be a three inning, you know, kind of shut it down in the middle of the middle of the game kind of guy. Um, so I, I, I like Crochet a lot. I mean, anytime you can get a ni- uh, 99 to 100 with a wipeout slider, it's hard not to take him. Um, and I'm a little bit more bullish on uh, Crochet's changeup than than Keith was. Um, I think he has a decent, at least he has a somewhat feel for it. I don't think it's a nasty pitch, but if he can go 99 and then break off like an 86 mile an hour changeup, I mean that's that's hard to 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 kind of square up consistently. And then for me, number five, I have Tyler Soderstrom. Um, you you heard Keith? I mean, he pretty much pegged him in for the number 13 pick, and seems like he could definitely go before the Phillies. But just looks like. When I watch, every time I watch Tyler Soderstrom, the guy just 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 squared up the baseball consistently. And if you're looking to project high school players, squaring up the baseball is really all that matters at this point. Hopefully, they can gain more power. Power, but if you can consistently square up the baseball in high school, I'll take that shot on you. I think the bat's legit enough that like he was a catcher in high school, but he he didn't even start on his high school team because uh, I guess the the starting catcher was a stud. So he. Projects to be like a third baseman outfield type, but um, those are my five. Uh, I, I like Cade Cavalli a little bit, but I'm worried about. I'm obviously worried about the like he gets hit around. Like he has nasty stuff, but he gets hit around. It's kind of it's kind of like Pavetta, um, which is not exactly the best thing you want to hear when when talking about comps. But I yeah, I don't think we need another Pavetta. Sorry, Jack. I just really I think there I just think there's a lot of talent that the Phillies are going to be able to get 
at, at 15. Like, I just, I feel good about their ability to walk away with a guy that you can dream on. And I think that the prep talent's really, really legit. Um, the only ones I would be pretty upset about would be Pete Crow Armstrong. I know Keith talked about him, but I don't think he can hit. Um, I don't want Patrick Bailey at all. He's this catcher from NC State, who I actually think looks like a good prospect, but I just think that if they take a catcher, it almost signals the end of JT Romito, especially if you're if you're drafting a uh, like a college catcher that's college 20, catcher, yeah, yeah, that's 21 or 22 years old. So like if they take Bailey or or they take um, uh, Dylan Dingler from Ohio State, like I'm just gonna you're never gonna hear me on this podcast again. Like I would just be Dylan Dingler's a horrendous name. Yeah, it's a really bad name. It's a rough one. Dylan Dongler. Yeah, I think so well. I wasn't going to go there, but yes, that was what I was thinking as well. <laughs> what a loser. Um, yeah, it's a it, tough one. Yeah, we, 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 are, we have the ability to change that if they do draft him. He will not be Dylan, Dylan Dongler. No, he will be, be double day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing, I'm not in on Austin Hendrick. You know, I, a lot of people like him. I don't think he I, – I personally think he stinks. Like th- I can obviously change this if they draft him, and given that I just said I think he stinks, um, they'll probably oh, draft him. Oh no! They'll, they'll definitely draft him. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. Like I think I think the the power is legit. Obviously, I mean he has he has pretty quick hands, but every time I watch him, it looks like he couldn't catch up to a fastball on the inside part of the plate, and I just uh, yeah that 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 was not one of my favorite things. So really, you know, I'd be happy with with six guys at 15 and only really upset with about four. And if they draft bits, go join the party. I mean, it's such a, it's such a no brainer. I hope they take them. Um, I try not to think about it a lot because I, I start to get sad if they, if they don't take them, but I don't know. I still feel good. They're going to take them. Keith, Keith did dampen my spirit a little bit, just a little, but, uh, as always just power right through. I love it. This was this good for you? Did you get it all out? You feel good? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm just excited. I'm I I'm excited that me and you were on the same wavelength when it came to uh our guys. Beautiful thing. Bitsko, Bitsko Howard. Um I'm I don't know if you've watched Garrett Mitchell, but I think you like Garrett Mitchell. Um and yeah, I I don't I I would be fine taking it Howard. Now, I do want to I do want to know like who are you? Are you a Spencer Torkelson guy, or are you an Austin Martin guy? Yeah, that's the question. Um, so here's the thing. Full disclosure. No, uh, I didn't do any research on like the top three guys because I was like, well, they're not going to be there for the Phillies, so it's not even worth me looking at them. Um, but I just feel like, I mean, Austin Martin's such a better name than Spencer Torkelson, so I'll I'll go with Martin over Torkelson. That's the correct opinion. Austin Martin. See? Austin Thank Martin. You. Austin Martin's going to be amazing. Um, and then just one more one more general draft take is that like Zach Veen, Zach Veen's the best player in this class. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like I just that guy is that guy is gonna be a, another Hall of Famer from this class. So Zach Veen looks I love like, it. Look Zach, at all the Hall of Famers. Yeah, Veen looks like the next uh looks like the next Yelich, I would say. Um so. This is this is the this is like years building up to this. This is the most draft stuff ever. Oh yeah. Well, and like, dude, you're you're not. We didn't even talk about my guys in the third through fifth round. No, and we're not going to. I don't want to. We'll talk about whoever the Phillies draft. How about that? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. How are we gonna plan this out? I know we're kind of doing this on the podcast, so this seems like a bad idea. But are we going like? Like, uh, are we going Wednesday night right after the draft? Are, no. Are we going? We're not going. What? We're not going right after the draft? Oh my god. What? We'll see. We'll Suck see. Suck it I'll up, we'll Seltzer. See. I got uh, Jesus. We got no other content to talk about. Yeah. And then Maybe we'll, do, we'll one. do a short reaction pod or something. Listen, fine. I mean, I'm gonna fire up a periscope, and everyone can join me there. Um. Well, that- that too we'll definitely we'll have something and then either way i mean i mean we'll have a full recap and i just want to get it out there you know the comps are good the the, the comps are gonna be aggressive i'm the fifth round picks i'm gonna talk about the next ryan howard you know i can't i I can't wait maybe it'll be a solo pod it'll be a jack fritz solo pod no no one likes a jack (laughs) i hate jack fritz solo pods they're very annoying 
Oh, all right. You got anything else? Draft week. <laughs> right. I, I swear I'm the only person that cares, but whatever. Uh, well, you know, if you're still listening right now, God bless you. And, so. and another perk, if you want to enjoy the draft with some good beer, there's fresh high hops to be had Bro. at Four Fingers Brewing Company. So go Bro. out there, go out there, get some high hops, even though they're not going to be open during the draft or the second round of the draft. But for the post-draft podcast slash deep dive on YouTubes, have some high hops with it. There you go. I uh, I co-signed that. Email us, thehighhopespod at uh, gmail.com. And uh, enjoy the draft. Reach out to Jack when they draft Nick Bitsko because he's going to be pretty pumped about uh, it. Let's uh, all join in celebration <laughs> together if they draft Nick Bitsko. He's Fritz of Seltzer. We'll see you later.